Hey audio listener, thanks again for joining me on this, episode 4 of Self-Made Nobodies. On this episode, I get to sit down and chat with Gibson off the coast of Vancouver, Canada. Gibby is a flame worker or glassblower, depending who you ask. A Wookiee and an all-around amazing guy. I've known Gibby for a few years now and watching his progression as an artist has been truly inspiring. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and enjoy his stories, because I know I did. Alright. What's up, man? I think we're good. We're good? We're alive. We're alive. We are alive. Live and alive. Thank you very much for your time, buddy. Yeah, stoked to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, so this is episode four of Self-Made Nobodies, and you're here with Gibby. I've never ever actually learned your your real name, so what is your real name? Or do you even tell people your real name? My first name is Gibson, and then my my middle name is James, and then my official last name is Sell, S-E-L-L. Then I have a formerly last, formerly known last name as Leishman, L-E-I-S-H-M-A-N. So, oh geez. And then I go by Gibson James for like basically on online Facebook things. Totally. And I've known you as Gibby since forever, but I think that's because Gibby. that's what Gary calls you. Gibby works. Gibby works. Awesome. Well, I'm just gonna jump right into it. What sparked glass for you? What sparked the curiosity to blow glass? Uh, well, to blow glass, uh, was Mook coming into Mook being another glass blower, uh, coming into the shop that I was working at at the time. Um, a small little shop in Campbell River when I was 18 and didn't really know anything about glass, but I had interest and had collected some glass and was like a amateur glass collector type thing um before meeting mook so i would say it was kind of like the that was the spark where it is kind of where it happened um i would say and that was when i was about 18 in campbell river and did you you apprenticed with mook didn't you no I, i wouldn't really call it an apprenticeship uh basically he offered um private lessons um after I showed some in, he's like, well, I'll show some interest and then we could pursue some lessons. And uh, I bought a torch on Craigslist, told him that. And he said, okay, well, then we can do a private little schedule, a private lesson type thing. And by then I had like just set up my torch um, in Campbell River for like n- not too long, but that kind of came to a close. So I dragged my gear over and set up in this trailer in the back of my dad's property and then basically went to MOOC for the lesson because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and he said, yeah, well, you know, $40 an hour to stand behind me and watch me blow glass. I'll give you verbal instruction and anything before and after the lesson when we're just like, you know, bullshitting is, is free. Um, but that was over on Cortez. And then after I did that, I did the first one was three hours. I gave him 120 bucks, which at that point was like, you know, that was a lot of cash for me. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and then I was like, um, the next time I went over was like a couple weeks after, and I'd like tried a few things that he showed me, and I was like, wow, it's so much harder than you made it look type thing. Um, I'm looking right now at one of the first pipes that I made, like right after the lesson with Mook, and you know, it's kind of funny looking back at that, right? But, um, Yeah, and then I went back and I did one hour with him. I paid him 40 bucks because I was like, oh, I don't have much cash. I could do an hour. And he's like, well, we got to do minimum minimum three hours. And then 
I never paid him after that, to be honest. He said, he kind of said, he's like, when you start teaching me things, then, you know, the lessons will become free and we can become buddies. And we can, be, more became buddies and I would like call him and I was right avid internet guy. So kind of help, I said, I'm like, listen, I'll get, I'll make you a website if you kind of like help me out and we'll help each other out type thing. I can't, can't afford to be paying you to be hanging out with you kind of thing, right? Yeah, that's totally fair. That's kind of cool that you guys kind of like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah, yeah, and he was pretty stoked. I was like, hey, I made you a website, check it out. And he was like, whoa, like, what is the internet? He was like, you know, this hippie on Cortez and didn't really know what was going on, right? So for people, if we do catch an audience, obviously outside of Canada, we're talking about little tiny islands off the coast of BC, like right off the coast of like Vancouver, isn't it, really? Yeah, so I live I live on Quadra Island, and then Mook lives on Cortez Island, which is just a, a 40-minute ferry ride from Quadra over to Cortez. You can see the island right across. Both really large islands, um, and they're situated right in between Vancouver Island, which is like the big coastal island off of the mainland of BC, and there's like a bunch of small islands in between uh, Vancouver Island and the mainland, and and we're, uh, we're right in there. Have you always lived on Quadra? Uh, no, no, like when I went to school, I, I lived in town in Campbell River, that's what we call, that's what we, that's what we call, you know, town would be Campbell River when you live on Quadra. <clears throat> right. And, uh, my mom lives in Campbell River and my dad lived on Quadra, so I went to school in, in Campbell River and then I'd kind of come over to Quadra on the weekends and then I moved over to Quadra full time when I was about 18, 19 kind of thing. And then haven't really, like, I've never rented a spot in Campbell River ever. Uh, I'm trying to think. Again, the timeline gets a little, because I bounced back and forth there for a little bit. I did actually, um, a couple of years into it, I had a girlfriend and we rented a spot in Campbell River for a year. And then... I broke up with her and gave up that spot because it was kind of a crap spot to be honest and then moved back to Quadra basically and so I did kind of like back and forth and then yeah I lived on a boat and I lived in a van and I lived you know down by the beach in a van and you know all over the place that's totally a hippie lifestyle for sure <laughs> <laughs> now your first studio was it at your dad's place on Quadra though so your studio has always been on Quadra yeah, yeah. Well, apart from the one that I set up in Campbell River, uh, with the ex-girlfriend there, right. And um, then I set up uh, at another. Well, I was actually at my folks. They had like a warehouse and kind of like in between shops. I set up there for a little bit, but then they ended up moving, and I had to take down there. And so I don't know. I've you know I've set up countless shops in various locations from on baseball fields to middle of the forest and yada 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 so. yeah right for like glass gatherings and things like that yeah, exactly yeah how long have you had this studio now uh been where i'm at for about five years now five years and did it did it was it a like studio or garage or something when you got there or did you build that no it was a um <clears throat> the structure was there um it was full of garbage and tires and i when i moved in there i was like pretty broke um and set up uh, i basically put my torch on 
I literally put my torch on this old deep freeze freezer that we had kicking out back and screwed the torch onto that and um, you know we get out it for a number of months there for sure or years even right a lot of people think we're still ghettoing it out here but um, you know to be honest we you know we make the best of what we have here it's not a you know flashy studio but you know a lot of glass gets pumped out of there and um, you know everybody has a good time it's a positive environment anybody who comes in is like whoa this is it looks bigger on the inside than than when you kind of look at it from the outside. We like open the door and go inside. You're like, whoa, there's like actually there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, your live videos do make it look pretty big inside. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on, multiple stations, and it's very colorful in there. And it's like there's so many things for your eyes to look at. It's not like there's like plain plain walls anywhere. It's literally every thing is covered in something somewhere in the shop. <laughs> right. Now, what was your first uh, torch? Uh, first torch that I bought was a, it was basically a Nortel Major Miner, is what they call it, like the square block burner. Uh, I got it on Craigslist, it was like back in 2004 kind of thing when Craigslist first started. I'm sure it was only open for, uh, online for a couple of years, but I searched like glass blowing and there was like a torch for sale in Courtney, which is just like, you know, a 40 minute drive away. And I went down there and it's this guy, Matty Iceberg, who I just saw today, you know, still friends with to this day. Um, and he had a torch for sale for $420 <laughs> on Craigslist. So I went and bought it and it gave me a, a handful of glass scraps kind of thing. So I, I, cause I didn't have any glass. I was like, Hey man, do you think you could give me like some glass? Cause I have nothing. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give you this and give you that, you know. So he kind of gave me a little pack to go home with. And then um, Mook gave me a, a few scraps, too, to kind of, like, go home with. And then eventually made some orders through Andragetti Glass and then got some stock. And then uh, I posted on the Melting Pot Forum the GLDG, the Glass Lamp Workers Discussion Group, as it was the acronym for... Um, Back in the day, it was like the only glass blowing forum that was, it was the glass blowing forum. And uh, I posted on there, I'm like, hey, I'm looking for a Red Max upgrade for this block burner because basically those Nortels, it's kind of like you can undo two bolts on the side of the torch and you can like slip the bottom block burner out and then you can put a Red Max burner, slide it in, then do the two bolts up and you've kind of like upgraded it or whatever, right? Okay, like, yeah. I read you could do that, and I was like, oh, shit, that sounds pretty good. So I posted online, I was like, hey, does anybody have one of these Red Max upgrades? And uh, old Redbeard was like, I got one, I'll just, and he said, I'll just, I'll just send it to you, and, and uh, you know, no worries, you'll make it up to me one day, kind of thing, right? I was like, oh, shit, that's like, you know, $200 value or whatever, right? Yeah. And, um... So, so I went and got that upgraded, and it was kind of like a whole new ball game on that torch. Going from that block burner to a Red Max is like a definite upgrade. Now, were you on compressed oxy at that point, or were you like oxyconning it? Yeah, I was buying T tanks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. What was your first kiln? Uh, Paragon F one twenty. Oh yeah, you went you went hard right away. Yeah, I bought it brand new from. Um, 
from Joanna and Brigetti. She was like kind of distributing them at the time. Was, I think it was about like, I think it was 1400 bucks. And I think I, I put in about half, I think my mom put in 500 bucks because she was like stoked and help, wanted to help me out kind of thing because I really needed this kiln and, you know, but I had, I put in a significant amount um, as well. And, you know, my folks have helped me out a little, little bit along the way. Um, like they're not balling by any means. So they, you know, weren't able to fucking just go out and buy me a Mirage or something like that. Right. So, uh, but they've always been really supportive and my mom never, she always said like she never saved any money for me for like schooling or anything. So any kind of like class that I wanted to take, she was, she's like, oh, I'll pay for half of your class type thing. So that was, you know, that was always very helpful. So yeah, it would be for sure. Yeah, but you know, I saved all my money, bought you know all of my tools and everything from from glass and hustling on the side basically. Um, but that first kiln was, you know, it, it was really good and served its purpose for uh, ten years or so, and then um, and then I eventually actually traded that kiln to. This guy who I kind of knew when I first started, we both kind of first started around the same time. He was the one that had that original head shop and kind of saw me get a torch. And then he got a torch right around the same time because he wanted to try the whole glass blowing thing too. Right. He ended up coming into a bunch of government money and like bought a school bus and bought a massive kiln, like a Scott Scarab. Basically. Oh, wow. Like, they're about, you know, $5,000 kiln or something, right? And really big. Yeah, yeah, quite significant. Um, and what he for what he was doing, it was kind of like, you know, completely over... It's like you're making pendants in a Scott Scarab. After a year of doing that, you feel kind of dumb. So you're like, okay, I got to get rid of this kiln and trade it for something else. So he kind of like, he called me up and was like, hey, I got this giant kiln if you're interested. And I was like, oh, well, how about I'll, I'll pay. I, I forget what the deal was. I think I gave him, I think I gave him like two grand cash and, uh, and my kiln. Um, I think there might have been some, it might have been some like glass or weed or something on there. Two on the trade, but we were both stoked. He got a, you know, he got a kiln and cash, and I got this the kiln upgrade. Uh, and then since then, I scooped another Paragon. Uh, I don't know what they call it, Bluebird XL, I think is what they call those ones. And it's like a, it's like thirty-one inch corner to corner kind of thing. So it's got a lot of height to it, so you can do like a nice twenty-one inch bong standing or whatever, right? So that's oh, cool, ideal. Right on. See, I think that was the biggest thing that obviously where I live now and kind of what I do is what kind of made me shut the studio down. But another big thing was I think I like got to the point where I had over like I was over my torch. Like I, I my skills were better than my torch was. And Gary told me the whole time, he's like, don't buy that torch and don't buy that kiln because you're going to you're going to be upgrading like right away. And I was like, no, I, don't, I think it'll be fine for a while. And then yeah. I got to like doing Fred stuff and it took me forever. Like it, it got to the point where it was like, no, I just can't do this anymore. Like I'm like 30 minutes into a frit pipe trying to like melt it in, and I'm still not melted in. It's hot as I could get it. Just got ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's definitely, you know, there's limitations, you know, know your limits, stay within it type thing. Right. 
Yeah, for sure. And he, he obviously went the opposite way where he like blew his load and didn't need it. Now your first studio, you said it was in a back of a trailer. Uh, yeah, it was like a, you know, like a little tow behind camper, like a camper trailer. Yeah. Um, and there was like you know there was like the kitchen and a camper trailer, and there was like the little like stove and the sink and everything. I just basically put a piece of wood like countertop across that, put some metal tin around the backsplash, and then ripped out the little dinky vent fan that was in there and my dad had this like other little vent fan type thing that i rigged in there and it was it was pretty kick-ass little it was like right in a corner and it worked perfect you know it was, it was a sufficient little setup really i got some pictures of it it was you know it was good yeah that's really cool now when did you get into like making giblocks and stuff was that back then or is that like oh, a new thing since yeah yeah that was probably you know, even like the whole term Giblock, I think I did the sh I did the Giblock show. I don't know, I'd have to get the get the dates out and look at the photos. So yeah, I have like some photos. Yeah, my date, but uh, you know, like seven to ten years ago ish, um, I was making the about more like ten years ago. I was making the dries, and then like seven ish years ago. I threw a show in Vancouver called Giblocks Plus, and that was kind of to like brand, um, brand the Giblock essentially. And then everybody, because I was like, I get you know, figure out after you've come up with a design. Basically, I like made the design solo enough times that I had it down, named it, and then mentioned to a bunch of glass blowers, "Hey, I'm doing this show. I want to do a hundred collab Giblocks." Um, and then, you know, for about a year or so I worked on those and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like saving money, right? When you're like, you know, making a pipe, not selling it, putting it aside. Uh, sure. And then like, I, I got to like a hundred and five or 10 pieces or so, um, done all collabs. And then I had this show uh in vancouver at the hemp quarters in surrey and it was it was definitely by far like the best show that i've thrown um it was like yeah it was bumping it was like jam-packed had like the sweet layout of all the pipes and then i i had for the show i wanted to drop drop the rig basically because people had seen the dries but rigs and dabbing were becoming big flour was kind of coming out and people were like mm, flower pipes mm. <laughs> so i was kind of like oh fuck i gotta drop and i kind of like knew that going into it so i was like shit i gotta drop this giblock rig so i kind of like worked that and figured out how to do it uh, and i think i had like five or six of them at the show and and then that kind of like went from there and then kind of have like refined that's what they call like you know you take a design and then like refine it and then now it's like much more different than it was then but the uh, same similar same standard design right right and for those that don't know it's kind of a play on like a sherlock pipe but it's your own style obviously yeah yeah exactly 
So, um, and, and, you know, when you say a rig, that's basically like a water pipe version of the dry flower pipe version, because typically, you know, the dry flower pipe, you just pack the bowl and you light it and then smoke. But the rig has like a fixed internal downstem that would actually go into a water chamber and then bubble up and not splash in your mouth is the key. Right. Totally. Now, when did you start making the triple threat? uh triple threat was after giblock because um the whole the whole like bong market flower bong thing became more popular with the uh adaptation of legal weed hitting the market yes definitely so bong rip became more common uh and like I, you know, I guess people just, you know, and a lot of people like smoking, never stop smoking bongs, but a lot of people kind of switched to dabs for a while, but then a lot of people kind of like got off, back off the dabs and back on it. They're like, ah, I'm back smoking bong or whatever. <clears throat> so, and then to be honest, there's a lot of people that don't have the capabilities to be able to make flower tubes. So to be honest, I kind of saw right before legalization i saw this market gonna starting to happen and the shortage of flower tubes made in canada there's only a couple of people making it um urban glass being the the local here and he's got a couple of lathes so i kind of you know, I, I took his formula of get two lathes and um, be able to rent lathe space out and have, you know, an apprentice help you on prepping on the one lathe to be able to work off their shop time or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I made I made some triple threats by hand. And then, you know, you just start to make too many bongs by hand and your shoulders get really sore and you have to go to the chiropractor and he says you can't do this anymore and yada, yada, yada. So um had to basically save money and finally found a deal uh through this guy in america the glass lathe guy they call him and he is like a used lathe distributor right so i basically called him up i said what do you got he gave me his list and there were a couple of the a couple of these cheaper import lanes that he had kick in and um i offered him a deal on both of them i'm like well how about I'll, I'll, i want both of them you know but i can't buy them both at once can i buy one and then you hold one for a couple of months and then i'll, I'll buy the second one he's like sure so we, we did that and I was able to like get the first lathe and like work work on it hard and then make enough money in bongs to be able to buy the second one type thing right now do you have an apprentice working for you at the moment currently training two apprentices like part-time oh that's cool so yeah at the at the moment and they're both about well, the one is a little bit longer, Lightfoot Glass, Lawson. He's approaching about a year. And then um, another girl, she is only maybe a couple of months in. But um, yeah, both doing really well. That's awesome. Now, did you have a life plan before Glass? Or was it always, did you think you would always do something artsy? No, I know. I 
idea what I was doing, to be honest. Um, yeah, I no, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I was traveling. I, I traveled when I was 18 and went backpacking and shit and came back. And my grandpa always said, try and learn a trade. And, uh, you know, and then the glass blowing it, honestly, it's one of those things that just kind of like one day I was in the right place at the right time and the right person came in. And it's like, it's amazing how, you know, some moments will change your life more than other moments, right? Yeah, that's for sure. It's like me and Gary meeting in line. <laughs> sure. On legalization day and him being like, oh, do you want to come over and uh, blow some glass sometime? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, one more thing you got, you have as like a signature piece. You know, you may have more that I'm not aware of, but the one that I like stands out the most for me is mustache tokers. When did you start making those? And what made you think of that idea? Um, <sighs> gee, I wish I, you know, it's one of those things that you know i wish i had the first one and knew exactly what the first toker was and where i made it or whatever right but thinking back it was an item that i made with my scraps um because you have a bunch of scraps sitting on your bench and i'm like what do i do with all these short little pieces and you know so eventually i kind of put like um I'd have like one little short punty rod and I'd take a little tube and I'd put a, a tube on the end and then I'd be like, oh, it's a little joint smoker, right? Haha, <laughs> you put your joint in there and oh, classy, right? And then <clears throat> I, th I think it was something along the line. It was either like a Movember or I saw somebody who had like the mustache tattoo on their finger and I was kind of like, oh, the mustache, that'd be pretty funny if you did like a mustache on there, right? And like did one and then I... I don't know who it was or what but like i saw the reaction when i showed somebody and they're like oh my god that's like the cutest thing in the world i need one of those and i was like oh shit okay so then i like made one and you know how them he shows it well yeah it's a joint smoker and people be like oh that's so cool you don't have to like put your lips on it and you could like you know you can share a joint with somebody not have to like you know suck on their joint and oh that's so cool oh and then people be like oh it doesn't make your fingers stinky because like you're smoking a joint and i like to i like to puff a joint but my fingers always get stinky that's so cool and people go oh it's so great when i'm rolling a joint because i can pack it with the end oh that's so and i'll use the the mustache to kind of like get in there and i'm like oh wow. i'm just like holy shit people love these right and and then the whole selfie thing came on right it was like oh i gotta get the selfie with the mustache toker right and then you can like line the toker up perfect so that you like get the selfie right and then i was like oh i gotta make the instagram page and then like got people posting that and then like just seeing the reaction i was kind of like oh shit this is like and it's kind of been on my mind recently i'm i'm kind of i'm just like oh, man you could totally do a million dollars a year in mustache tokers if you approached it correctly but I don't really know the correct approach to do it. You know, you need like a serious marketing team and like they'd probably say outsource to China or something. Right. But like ideally you'd want to not do that. And I'm trying to figure out how you could like, you know, offer out a, a contract to every glass blower that needs work in Canada or whatever you say, Hey, well, if you want to sign up to the mustache tokers team, here's the, here's the formula, right? It's almost like a little franchise or whatever. Right. And you could like, you know, but I don't know. It's just it it becomes like oh now you got to get a patent incorporated. It's like insurance. It's like pfft, sounds just like a nightmare to me. But you know, so I'm making about a you know I can do like a hundred a month is my tops. I could probably produce at this point. <laughs> but it also kind of keeps it niche, really. Yeah. Like yeah, 
it keeps it for the people that really love them and like the people that find out like even at the uh the edmonton expo the cannabis expo that you and i were at with gary there the amount of people that walked by that had never seen them before and thought that they were the best thing ever was just yeah. it was hilarious to be honest with you yeah well and they're going to be there this year to be honest and i'm not even going to be there because there's uh um this company blunts and beans uh, a couple of girls that are running it and they they bought a few tokers loved them and they're like hey we're gonna go do this this expo we want to take your toker can we get a hundred kind of thing right and i was like oh sweet okay so i'm trying to work out how can i like how can i make it a good deal for them to wholesale them even right because if i sell them if i sell it to them for wholesale they can't really them then wholesale them or else it just affect because you still kind of want to have them retail for 20 bucks right so for sure yeah and and they do cost money like it is scraps but it is also not scraps like glass costs money well and and getting back to you know i used to make them out of scraps but now you know i go i go through cases of glass making these things that's 300 dollars a case right so it's you know i'm i'm, I'm not using scraps now to make them <laughs> and, and color's not cheap no no not at all and getting more expensive seemingly every day that's what that's what they said last time we called them just this week they're like by the way prices are going up on this and we're like oh great yeah and it'll all be because of all the the different things that are in the glass to make the colors that's probably what's making them go up yeah yeah too many cell phones i get you know to be honest the whole thing is insane that they can even produce this type of a thing and we're able to buy it for this cheap to be honest it's it's mind-blowing that it's that readily available even right yeah yeah we have too much consumerism that's for sure now who inspires you nowadays like who do you see online like i know the bucks of the world are obviously the top level guys but who do you see that's like really inspires you day to day um to be honest a lot of the local guys that are like actually you know still crushing even though it's difficult in the Canadian scene to be able to make it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy, you know, and look, you know, like guys like Dave that have, you know, that have a shop, um, guys with a good work ethic, you know, Kahuna, Greenbelt, Borokan, those guys are all like crushing out big, or you know, Princess Grandpa, they're all like crushing big orders. These are like local guys that are all like crushing it. And then like, you know, big name, Big name stuff. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys that are crushing it on the lathe that I've been watching recently. Um, you know, I don't know how to say the name exactly. Like Siren Apparatus or something. Uh, Scolari, Mickelson. Um, those guys are like, you know, crushing it to a whole new level. You look at like Subliminal Glass and what he's doing. That's like absolutely insane. And then, you know, like, that's kind of like what I... And if you look at like guys like Salt, that's it's something then, you know, it's like the whole sculpting thing is totally another ball game. And then you look at like guys like Ethan Windy, you know, crazy um, sculpting of realism. And, you know, that's just to name a few of these guys that are like, you know, absolutely murdering the glass scene, right? Yeah, Salt was definitely an inspiration for me. Yeah, well, I'm, he's 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 like the he's like the Wayne Gretzky of of glass blowing, pretty much, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. Now the glass gathering is that happening? No, no. Is it done? Done. Forever done. 
likely. Whether or not Redbeard tries to do some sort of thing someday, I can't speak for him. But, uh, no, I'm planning on throwing an event. Um, I've been kicking around the idea. I'm, I would like to. It's definitely in the cards. Uh, exact dates, I can't say. Uh, I do have a venue on Quadra, which is potential. So, you can keep, I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, and we'll keep everybody posted on that on the socials too that want to go. I know there's a lot of people that are really interested in this stuff and they just don't see it. They don't get to follow it. And that's, again, the whole point of podcast. this podcast was to hopefully get some traction and highlight people to other people that aren't following it like if you're not on this lane on the highway you're definitely not watching glass blowers blow glass but maybe you you catch it and it's something that interests you so i'm hoping that i can catch these people like i've got a little bit of viewership now and i'm obviously catching like i've got a little bit of viewership here and there there's a couple of countries not even on our continent that are listening to my podcast so if it turns people on to you know looking at different things and trying different things like i never even thought about it i never thought to do it. I never even thought to see it. And then doing it and learning it, even just like, I mean, I touched the tip. I didn't even really learn how to blow glass, but at the end of the day, it's such an art form and it's, it's insane what you can do. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's definitely like a never ending thing. That's kind of what keeps me into it. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not at this point. I'm like, you know, well, I've figured out how to blow glass now. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, every day you learn and every day you can do something different. Like even you, I've kind of backed off of social media for the last year, at least like completely throttled back to nothing almost on Instagram. And so I've not seen the year progression other than going like coming back on now with all of this stuff and the social media is attached to this and kind of you're following again and even your skills from when I stopped to now I'm looking at your gib blocks and I'm like, holy shit. And your triple threats and everything you're doing is just like, it's cleaner. It's nicer. It's more refined. It's definitely like you've, you've got a style and you've nailed it, but you also, they're all different. Like you can tell that they're yours, but you can also tell that like, like yours is different than his is different than hers, no matter if it's a Tuesday, a Thursday or a Friday, but they're all give, they're all give blocks. They're all triple threats. Like they, they look really nice. Well, good, man. Cause that's pretty much exactly what I'm going for. So <laughs> yeah, everything I've seen, it looks like I said, it's, it's really nicely refined and they all look like yours, but they all look unique. It's yeah, nice. I don't- one that you know i try to you know never make two pieces that are the same and that's been since like day one right and but you still want it to you know be able to just look at it and you go oh well that's a good block right and, and they do they totally do now when did you make the banana man what did like where did that come from um that one i kind of remember um mark emery's cchq and that was like a thing and not bunk um there was like um the girls that worked the counter there one girl there named anna uh anna banana and um hello hi hey <laughs> me too so uh anna banana wanted a banana bong um or i don't even know if she wanted it or if i just made it or whatever but i sold it to the uh cchq she bought it and they had it as their like house house rig and it was like the first banana bong ever and then kind of crazy story somebody broke in oh, somebody broke into 
the CCHQ and stole the banana bomb. Oh no. Yeah, and um Yeah, it was never it was never recovered. So. so that's where the banana man came from. He was inspired from a stolen banana bomb. Well, well, that was kind of like that wasn't even banana man. That was just the banana bong, and then I made several renditions of banana bongs, banana bowls, banana pipes. You know, the dry pipe, the bong bowl, um, the, the water pipe type thing. Yeah, and, and the first banana man, I. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I made it a rig. I'm not sure exactly which one it was because there's, there's been so I've made several now, yeah, uh, variations of, but uh, yeah, that was kind of like it became a character. And then to be honest, like you know, just thinking about the whole marketing, I really like the whole like marketing aspect of things. I really like there's like a CBC show called um, what is it like uh, the Age of Persuasion. They talk about like marketing and like you know different companies and how they have like 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 why sports teams have mascots. That's because people really like a character that they can like follow and has eyes and you can really like you know that's that's why a banana man when it's sitting at a table people will look they'll drop. <laughs> straight to that it's funny like i even <clears throat> i have like a, an et rig that vagabond glass made and it's sitting on the my my glass display case and i have like 30 of my bongs all lined up and they're all shining and beer mugs and i have this like broken et rig off to the side that's covered in dust whenever people come in they're like oh nice glass whoa that ET <laughs> like, i didn't actually make the <laughs> We were like, whoa, I gotta get a picture of E.T. And I was like, all right. <laughs> hey, like, thanks, fellas. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, you know, it's it's something that I, I don't make, right? But it's, you know, this, those eyeballs, those eyes really, even like a broski slug, you know, I've sold his, I've had those slugs on the table before. And, like, it's such an eye catch that people come in and they just, oh, and they just see the eyes. Like, so anyway, that's Banana Man was kind of like, he became like the mascot kind of thing. Right, which then obviously made you, you the merch came obviously from that with your different designs. You have Chainsaw Man now too. I saw. Yeah, that was um, my partner Kate. She did the uh, she drew the uh, Chainsaw Man kind of like rendition of me ish. Yeah, uh, and then the original Banana Man one was smoking the mustache toker, and that was kind of like you know again it was kind of like from that cbc show when they're talking about product placement and like you know you're always putting your ad or putting your product in the ad right so like banana man smoking the mustache toker and then like the chainsaw man's got his foot on the chainsaw pipe and then like you know they all kind of have you know they're you try to get the product you know they smoke in the giblock kind of thing right so and branding is everything totally yeah. To be honest, I kind of got that a bit from Redbeard too. Redbeard was Redbeard was kind of went hard on the marketing for the GCGG and himself type thing, right? Yeah, with his barnyard animals. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, he was just he always had really good stickers and and um, you know he just he got he he spent the money on merch and he, he had cash. And he'd be like, oh, I just bought five thousand dollars worth of stickers. I'm like, holy shit, man, that's crazy, you know. And I always thought that that was like. 
good on the guy for like you know dropping the money in in merch right yeah but it matters it honestly unfortunately it matters like on my last podcast we were talking about uh no my last one but the the one before it we were talking about orange county choppers and i don't know if you ever watched the show but they did definitely didn't get rich selling bikes it was selling merch and selling drama and selling TV time. It, it was not making motorcycles. No, it was probably selling licensing for people to put things in the cross and you know. Oh, oh yeah, it's crazy. Now you uh, you teach classes at your studio too. Uh yeah, teaching classes is is tricky. Uh, the best format that I have right now is like one on one or 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 uh, like a couple, two people can come in. Um, I don't have like, you know, a big round table for eight torches to go around and that type of a class is actually kind of tricky to teach. Um, depending on what people want, I can do like a year apprenticeship, but you have to kind of have like a van or a camper van or something that you can live in. If you come drive out here, you can do that. Um, some people will like fly out for a couple of days and just, you know, I'll charge them a reasonable day rate and just teach them as much as they can and they can blow glass as long as they want for the rest of the day and... Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty pretty flexible. That's cool. Now, what's what shop equipment do you have now? What do you what do you blow on every day? What kind of torch? Uh, I'm working on a GTT Ninja, uh, and then I'm I work on the they're like they're import lathes. It's like a Chinese import lathe, basically, but they're old, um, and they're they're pretty solid. So I work on one of those and uh, I have a phantom to my left that's dirty and needs to be sent into GTT and there's a Inquala in front of that that I use to make joints and some other things on and then there's a, the second lathe to the left of that is the lathe rental station and it's got all it's more set up with hand torches then to the left of that is like apprentice bench which I have like a just a mid-range torch on Nortel mid-range and then um yeah, there's the two rental booths that uh, Brayden and Sloth King uh, work on. Oh, Sloth King's in your studio still. Sloth King and Brayden McPhee Glass, yep, both in the shop. That's cool. That's been a while now too. Yeah, he's a couple of years, almost two years now. Yeah, no kidding. Now, what's your favorite pieces that you make? Uh, like the favorite pieces I make are probably like you know, the, the next ones that are, you know, you get excited about the next pieces or whatever. Um, you know, obviously the signatures are good. I really like to make pieces live. That's fun. Like, I love making pieces right in front of people and get to, like, you know, put on a show. I, I, I like doing that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is fun watching you blow glass live, for sure. It's been a long time, but I did enjoy it when I was watching. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. So, I'll get you out of here soon. Uh, future plans for you personally or for the shop? You just gonna keep doing what you're doing every day? Uh, contemplating doing a expansion because right now I'm pretty much at a forty by forty studio, but there's like a, you know, it's almost like a fifteen by twenty pad that's off to the side of it, which I'm thinking about making an expansion, lean to new, new addition, but it's gonna cost a bit of money. It'll be a bit of time, and I'll be shut down for a bit if I'm doing that. So I kind of have to play it by ear and pick the right time to do that if i am going to do that or i just keep it out as is right now but you know i'm just i'm kind of torn because i don't really like the studio that i'm in it's because it's kind of just like a rundown barn but it's affordable and there's literally no other options around here so i'm kind of like well i'm kind of taking it for what it is and just making the best of it right 
Right. Now, what are your handles? Where can people find you? Uh, at Gibson's Glassworks Instagram, gibsonsglassworks.com. There you go. There we go. Okay. Last inspiring words is what I ask every guest. My last question for everyone. Inspiring words for somebody that's afraid to take the leap or maybe doesn't know if they can do it. That's your last question. That's my last question. Always. What are my inspiring words? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You only live once. Buy jet ski. Go, uh, go traveling. Try things that you, you know, that uh, that you haven't tried before. And um, yeah, eat good food. Eat good food. Yeah. I love it. Well, awesome, man. I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem, Cody. It was a good time, and thanks for having me. And make sure to send me a link, and I'll uh, I'll share it up for you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know you guys are busy, so I appreciate it. And thanks, Kate, for watching uh, Lion while I was doing this all. Thanks again, guys, for checking out another episode of Self-Made Nobodies. Thank you to Gibson and his lovely wife, Kate, for taking the time out of their busy evening to have a chat with me. Make sure to check him out at Gibson's Glassworks on social media and gibsonsglassworks.com. You can also check out your local head shop because I bet they have a gib lock or triple threat in a case just for you. Make sure to leave a comment and a rating. And remember, we upload every Thursday. We are on all the uh, podcast players now. So Spotify, Amazon, Apple, anywhere you guys find your podcast, make sure to leave a like, comment. And if you do have somebody that you'd like to see featured on the show, make sure you hit us up at selfmadeguest at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. We love you. Stay safe.